Use them. When enemies persecute you, love them. These struggles are a fire, refining you into gold. Look around. You are not forgotten. You are not alone. Challenge what is expected of you. This world is not your home. You are different. So today is our final uh, message in the series on different. And by the way, I'm Chad Hammonds, the other lead pastor here at Ignite Church. And again, we're so glad that you guys are here with us this morning. Now, we today, like I said, this is the, the, the final installment of the, the series. And what we've been doing is looking in the Bible in 1 Peter to, take, to find out what he said to people that were following Jesus, some Christian folks. And what we're doing is seeing what he was giving them, some, instru- some instructions he was giving them during a specific time uh, in their lives. And you know, if, you're just, if you're here today and you're just checking out this you know, God church stuff and you're not really sure about it, you're just wanting to test it out, we want you to know we're so glad you're with us. We're so glad that you came and decided to spend the morning with us. What you're going to find out and what you're going to hear in this series and today, all our messages are always put on the website online, you're going to find out the truth about uh, being a Christian, the truth about following Jesus, and we're, we're just so uh, glad to be able to, to give that to you since you came today. Now, what we're looking at today is something a little different than what we've been doing the last few uh, series, few messages so we're going to kick it off here, and I want to tell you, we want you to grab a different perspective on something today. We want you to look at something from a different angle, and, and that, that thing is, we want you to get a different view of being treated poorly because you follow Jesus. So if you have been treated badly, you have been, what we use a Bible term called persecuted because you follow Jesus, we want you to, to get a different view of that than maybe you've had before. Listen very closely to this part. Today's message is likely going to be the most encouraging message that you never wanted to hear. All right? So while there are, there are many blessings in the Bible, God talks about and has, we got recorded things that God said and that Jesus said and many, many blessings that come along with following Jesus, many good, a lot of good stuff that, that, are, that are associated with being a Christian, but I want to tell you a few things that are not promised to us. And here, here's a few. Um, we're never promised that our kids are always going to be the smartest people in the room. We're, ne- we're never promised that our, our children are going to always go the right direction. We're never promised that it's not going to rain on your vacation. Uh, you, you have no promise in the Bible that you're never going to have a headache, that you won't get sick, that, you, that we, we don't. Uh, I kind of wish we did, but unfortunately, we don't get any promises that we're going to be rich, that everything in life is going to be roses and rainbows, and, and everybody's happy all the time. None of those promises are in the Bible. What God did promise us is that if we will faithfully follow Jesus, and if we'll really engage and connect with being who God made us to be, then He promises that we will be persecuted. Promises that that is going to happen, that the world is going to hate you. Welcome to Ignite Church this morning. We're so glad you came. Now, uh, we want to tell you what Jesus said, exactly how he put it. 
in John chapter 15. If the world hates you, and this is if it hates you because you're following Jesus, keep in mind that it hated me first. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. So remember, today is most likely the most encouraging message you never wanted to hear, and and I'm right there with you. Here's the context of what was happening when Peter wrote to some Christians. We got to go back a few years into Rome, and there is this guy named Nero. Nero was a a very harsh, he was was a bad man, and he he did some really crazy stuff. Just so you know, he, history records that Hero killed his first wife, that he killed his mom, most likely he killed his second wife, and um, he's also suspected, most people, most historians agree that Nero set Rome on fire. Because he wanted to rebuild it with some buildings, and he wanted to make it look the way he wanted, and the, the Senate wouldn't do that. They wouldn't agree with him, so he set it on fire. And that, this, I mean, this guy was a really bad guy. Well, what happened was, when he set that on fire, and all these things are happening, and Rome is ablaze for days and days, people begin to figure out that Nero did this. And so he decided to blame this little group of people in Rome called Christians. And he said, no, 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 it wasn't me. They're the ones that did it. And they were already not extremely well-liked because they were in a foreign country and they, you know, they weren't the same. They were different than everyone else. Well, Nero just added to it. So then these Christian people started getting persecuted like uh, really bad. Nero joined in and he would do horrible things like throw them to wild dogs so they could be eaten and torn apart. And then he would light them on, dip them in wax and light them on fire and have them tied to trees to light up the night sky so they could have their parties outside with the Christians as the human candles. We're talking some serious, serious evil, in my opinion. Well, that's what these guys and these, these ladies, these Christians were experiencing when Peter wrote to them. Now, um, as bad as it was back then, if we go through history and, and scholars are saying that the last decade, right, the last, you know, where we live today, the last decade has actually been um, the worst decade of Christian persecution in the history of the world. And you might say, what? I, I, don't, I don't have any family members being tortured and uh, thrown to dogs. And you're right, and it's because we live in the United States. And I'm so glad that I live here. I'm so glad, I'm so thankful where we are. But I, I want to just give you some averages. On average, There's 322 Christians killed every month because they're following Jesus in the world. On average, there's 214 churches and their properties destroyed per month because they're following Jesus. Now, on average, there's 772 acts of violence. We're talking about beatings and tortures and rape and things like that happening to people who follow Jesus just because they're different. Now, persecution, a lot of that doesn't happen here. And again, I'm so thankful for that. But persecution, it, it depends on where you are and, and on what it looks like. In some parts of the world today, you might lose a family member because you're following Jesus. You know, they may be killed. In other parts of the world, you might lose your job. Could be here. This is one that could happen here. You might lose your job. You know how the politics of work go sometimes? If you don't fit in with everybody else, well, you might get you know, pushed out. It could happen. In other parts of the world, you might be arrested and beat because you're following Jesus. Well, here, it's, it's possible you just don't, you lose friends. You don't get to be a part of 
the party. You don't get to be part of the group because, mm, no, we don't, we don't need that person around telling us about Jesus. We don't, we, so you get left out. If you're mistreated, and by the way, you will be for being a Christian, then you're being persecuted. We want to look today about, at what Peter has to say about all this. This is 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Wait, how'd that get up there? Is that my granddaughter, Olive? I think it is. I have no idea how that got I, up on I, the I, screen. I, yeah. well, I'm, it, she, I had it set up so well, now you're just messing everything up. Isn't she just the most perfect grandbaby you've ever seen? Right? Sure. Right? Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> well, that's Olive Webbin, my first grandchild, can you tell? And uh, we got to meet her during Thanksgiving, and it was awesome. Uh, my son Joel is a pastor in San Diego, California. And so we had to fly out there and spend that week uh, with those guys to get to meet Olive and have a great time uh, out there with her. Now, while we were there, uh, Thanksgiving, you know, took place that week, and Joel's church, he pastors a church there, his church had a big Thanksgiving party and feast together, and so a whole bunch of folks came to this big house, and so we're all hanging out, eating turkey, having a great time, and then outside, there's a ping pong table set up, and so Joel's church is very young. Their median age is like 29 or something. And so whenever Lori and I go to visit, we feel so old. We are not old, but we feel it when we're there. And so uh, we're just hanging out with all the young guys and enjoying the time, and they start playing ping pong. And so I love to play ping pong. And so uh, I kind of start easing over there, and it was funny. I could see on their faces. They're looking at me like, really, old guy, you want some of this? And I'm like, you know, maybe. And so eventually it gets to be my turn to play. And I can just see they're kind of, you know, trying to be nice, but smirking a little bit, you know. And so then I start playing and they all go, oh, oh. And so I'm giving their best guy a good game. I had game point on him, almost beat him two or three times. I had a lead. I could have won. I didn't beat the boy, but I showed him the old dude can play, right? And so I went from being not a threat at all to suddenly being somebody they had to really work hard to play against in ping pong. Well, that's how it is spiritually for us as well. When I'm sitting on the bench, I'm not a threat to anybody, especially our adversary, the devil. I'm no spiritual threat at all. If I'm engaged, though, then I can become a threat. But let, let's talk about what it might look like to not be a threat, to be disengaged. You go to church... But you're not really spiritually engaged. You don't read your Bible hardly or pray. You don't give. You don't tithe. You don't volunteer and serve. You don't stand up for what's right. You don't share your faith and tell people about Jesus. When a person is on the bench spiritually, the devil doesn't need to attack you. He's not going to mess with you. He likes you just the way you are. But when you do engage spiritually... When you do pray and read your Bible, tithe, volunteer, give, stand up for what's right, share your faith. When you're engaged like that, when you're being different, like we've talked about these weeks, you become a threat to the devil and what he's trying to do. Because he knows God can use you to help people. God can use you to further his kingdom. And the devil hates God and he hates you. And now you're a threat and he's going to attack you. So that's why Peter is saying, don't be upset. Don't be surprised. This is normal. 
If you're living for Jesus, it's normal to get pushback from the world. It's kind of like a, a soldier. Uh, there was a, a private, and he was in the army, and suddenly the battle was on, and they were all in the foxholes trying to shoot the enemy, and the bullets were whizzing, and the mortar shells falling, and bombs blowing up, and it's intense. And the private just goes, ah, and he throws down his rifle, and he runs to the sergeant and says, Sergeant, Sergeant, they're shooting at me. And the sergeant's going to say, uh, yeah, this is war, private, get that rifle, and he'll probably say some other choice things, being a sergeant. <laughs> See, sometimes the devil wants us to think of Christianity as a playground, where it's all just sweet and roses and kumbaya. No, it's not a playground. It's a battleground. It's a war. And God wants to use you in just really cool, powerful ways, and the enemy will come against you. And we've got to be ready for that, to not be surprised and discouraged just because we're getting some pushback, some mild form of persecution in our country. So here's the question. Would I rather fight for progress or sit out for decay? Because those are our only two options. I'm either pressing on and being willing to fight, or if I disengage, I begin to rot and decay spiritually. So Peter said, don't be surprised at these fiery trials. And uh, scholars think he probably chose that word very intentionally to remind them of what Chad said earlier, that some of them were literally being set on fire. And Peter's saying, don't be surprised by that. Now, in the U.S., as Chad said earlier, you may not be set on fire, but there is persecution of Christians in our country going on. Let, let's talk about if Peter was to write this letter today to different people around the world, okay? If he was writing today to somebody in the Middle East, you might say, don't be surprised if one of your family members is beheaded for following Jesus. On the other hand, if he was writing to a college girl here in the United States, he might say, don't be surprised if you don't get asked out for many dates when your reputation is you're going to maintain God's standard and not have sex before marriage. He might say, don't be surprised if people make fun of you, if they try to put a guilt trip on you for how you spend your time, energy, and resources because you love Jesus, how church is a priority and, and, and people criticize you for that. If Peter was writing today, he might say, don't be surprised if you lose some friends and maybe end up with just a few friends. So Peter says, don't be surprised when things happen, when, when you're persecuted. Some of you have gone through your mind as you're sitting here and you're thinking, oh, you know what? I, I think maybe I have. Maybe you might not even realize that's what was happening. And you're like, man, let, let me tell you, let, let's see what Peter says. He goes on to say, instead of being surprised, he says, instead, and by the way, this is most likely the, you know, the, the, the most encouraging message you never wanted to hear. He says, be very glad for these trials. I wonder what he was on when he wrote this. <laughs> uh, for these trials, that they make you partners with Christ in his suffering. So you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. I'm going to give you my paraphrased version of this passage of Scripture. My paraphrased version is this. You get to win with Jesus. If we will follow Jesus, and we will be different. And yeah, you're going to face some opposition. You'll, you'll face some, some uh, persecution and things like that. But at the end of the day, you're going to get to win. 
And folks, I don't know about everybody in here, but I know I like to win. I don't, I don't like to be on the losing team. So, so if you're experiencing persecution for following Jesus, change your perspective. Start to see it as, oh, maybe things are going well then. Man, I, I just started, I just for the first time ever put some offering in one of those boxes or went online and gave, and I've got three new bills I never thought were coming. Oh, my gosh. Well, take that as a sign that maybe you're doing something right. Um, it, if you're not experiencing any pushback for being different about follow, in following Jesus, I want you to listen very closely. There's a couple cycles we can follow into. And if you are experiencing pushback, you listen too. Okay, you know, stop looking at your phone. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, cycle one, if we live for comfort, we'll avoid opposition our faith will weaken, and our life is going to be more and more empty. So if we say, you know, yeah, I want to follow Jesus, and I kind of like this, and I feel like that's probably the right way to go, but, man, it's a lot easier if I just go along with everybody else all the time. I do the things like they do it. I, I talk like them. I, I, I act like them. I'll, I won't make God and things a priority. I make sure I make, I want to keep, make sure I don't look different. If that's the way you're living your life, what's happening is you're avoiding, you know, you're living for comfort, you're avoiding that pushback, and your faith, the, the thing that's really important in the life of a person following Jesus gets weaker and weaker and weaker. And your life, consequently, gets more and more and more empty. Because what you're really trying to get to and what you really want, it's not there because you're falling backwards. Um, I... I I can, I can relate in one respect to this. My wife and I, a few years ago, discovered this amazing thing called CrossFit. Now, if you've ever met a person that does CrossFit, that's all they ever talk about. Um, that's all, and, and I am one of those people. If you talk to me, eventually I'm going to invite you to come. Uh, and so I, I understand that. Well, hey, I'm going to tell you a secret, though. Um, my wife being one of the coaches, and so... That, that gives me the right to argue with her um, about stuff. And whenever the, she writes a workout or the workout of the day is something, and there's a movement or weight and something that I don't really want to do, I will tell her, I'm not going to do that. I don't, I don't want to do that. That, that. that hurts. or it's, I, don't, I don't like that movement. I, it's hard for me to do something like that with one leg. I'm, babe, I'm, I'm 44 years old, you know. I don't want to engage in that one. I'm not doing this, and I'm not doing that. And, and she'll tell you, you know, she, I, I whine about it a lot to her. Now, usually at the end of the day, I get forced to do it anyway. Well, whenever I don't do things, whenever I'm like, no, I just, I'm not going to go today. I don't want to do, I don't want to run a 5K. You're crazy. Um, I'm not progressing for us, the truth is that doing these exercises has been amazing for us. I, I feel better. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a really great thing, but there's work involved, and there's pain sometimes involved in improving. Well, this is true in our spirit also. If we don't engage in, and we are, are different, if we don't get going with some things and just get in the game, then a lot of times we're going to be going backwards, and you'll be telling yourself, man, I should do this and I should do that, but you don't do it. And you end up going backwards more and more and more. 
It's true in our spirit. Our faith muscles, if you will, will get weaker. We'll sit for decay. Now, that, that's cycle one. Cycle two is this. If we choose boldly to live for Jesus, you know, live for Jesus boldly, we're going to face opposition. We'll have to do things that may be a little uncomfortable or take us out of our box, but our faith is going to get stronger. And then we're going to live life even closer to Jesus. And that's what you're really looking for. When we take a stand to be different, when we choose to exercise our faith anyway in the face of opposition, when we do pray, when we do give, when we do engage and we get, we get to be a part of things, our faith grows and you get stronger and you get closer to God and you're more healthy spiritually. And to me, here's the next part that's the biggest. You're more fulfilled and you're more blessed. You see, when we're thinking about, again, the, the exercise stuff, I'm not doing, I'm not engaging in this form of exercise so that I can be this super athlete. I'm not doing it so that I can, you know, win contests. And matter of fact, I always refuse. No, I'm not competing. Um, it, maybe that's one of the things I need to change. Dang it. Um, so I, He's I'm on not, record, right? Yeah. We, we, next competition. Go ahead. Yeah, I can, I can edit that on the website. So... I'm not in it for that. What I'm in it for is so that I heard somebody else say it. I'll admit that I stole this saying. So that when I'm old, I can still sit on the toilet by myself. <laughs> I want to still be in the game. I want to still be able to move. I want to still be able to function. And so that's why I'm doing these things. And I, I want to be able to continue to live life and continue to be a benefit and continue to be a productive member of society, and your, my health has something to do with that. Well, that's why I'm doing it. Well, the same thing happens. When we engage with God, and we're different, and we face opposition, but we go through it, well, you're going to continue to be a productive member of, of the body of Christ. You're going to continue to move forward. And that's really what we want, and that's really what makes us most fulfilled. So I have a question for you. In this past week, think about the last seven days, which cycle, one or two, were you living? Peter has more to tell us. And now we're going to look at two important things. If you're getting opposition as a believer, if the enemy's fighting you, there's some kind of persecution going on in your life, you need to know something, and you need to do something. And that's what we're going to look at now. Look at this verse from 1 Peter chapter 4. So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. What you got to know is God is always, God always wins. He always comes through. He will never fail you. He will never fail you. And you might be thinking, now, yeah, I've, I've had some bad stuff happen. I've prayed and tried to do the right thing, and bad stuff still happened. That's like Chad said earlier. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about he won't fail you because he'll be with you. He won't leave you alone in your challenge or opposition you're experiencing. He will be there to help you, as we're going to talk about a little bit more in a moment. But he will never fail you. You've got to know that. You've got to know that, or you'll step out of the fight. You'll disengage spiritually. You'll become that person on the bench rather than in the game. Now, you might be here today thinking, well, Ed, that, that kind of makes sense, but honestly, I don't really relate because I've been realizing I don't really have a relationship with God. I couldn't be a threat to the devil because I'm not 
God's child yet. I haven't said yes to his offer for me for forgiveness and salvation, but I want to. You're here today and you're ready. God's been stirring your heart and you have faith that he's been giving you to believe that Jesus died for you. And so right here today, you can start this meaningful relationship and start living this lifestyle that's different from others that really brings fulfillment to your life. So here's what we want to do. I want to give you a moment to do that right now. And so I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray like I'm you. And as I do that and I begin to pray and ask Jesus to forgive me, you can put this in your own words, in your heart, and you can start that meaningful relationship with God today. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross, Jesus. Thank you for dying for my sin. And I recognize today I need you. I need you. I need your forgiveness. I'm sorry I've sinned. I own it. I've blown it. I need your forgiveness. Lord, forgive me. I receive your forgiveness in Jesus' name. Jesus, come into my life now. Become my best friend. Become my guide in this life. Be the boss of my life. I give you my life in return, Jesus. Thank you for the relationship that's begun today between you and me. Lord, let me sense your presence and hear your voice and really get in the game with you this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If that's you, and for the first time you've begun this meaningful relationship, we want to encourage you in that. And so on that Connect card on the front, you can just check, I began a meaningful relationship with, uh, with Jesus today, and we'll follow up with you to encourage you and what it is to grow as a Christian. So that's what you got to know. The God will never fail you. Here's what you got to do, and we put it as a big idea. Do what is right and trust God with the results. Trust God with the results. Peter is saying, just keep on doing what's right. I know you're suffering, but keep on doing what's right. God's with you. He won't fail you. You can trust him that he's going to see you through. Boy, we we don't want to soft pedal this or downplay this at all. We get it. It can be hard. It can be a tough place if you're a student at school and you're being ridiculed for not doing things they do because you don't think God wants you involved in that. It can be tough. This stuff can be tough on the job. We get it. It's hard. You can feel lonely. But God is saying, do the right thing and leave the outcome to me. Trust me with the results. God is saying, the results of you standing up for me, being different for me, when you're getting picked on and opposed by it, the results are up to me. And in the really big picture, the results don't matter whether it quits or whether it keeps on and you have to just keep hanging in there because what matters is you doing the right thing and trusting God. So do what's right. Trust God with the results. And here's one last verse to wrap up our series. Peter is saying, you can have God's perspective on the persecution, the opposition you're experiencing. And look at this final, this is a promise for us as we try to be different for Jesus. In 1 Peter chapter 5, we read this. In His kindness, God called you to share in His eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, He will restore, support, and strengthen you, and He will place you on a firm foundation. This is one of those great verses in the Bible that God's saying, Now, I don't want you to miss this, so He just layers more and more words to say the same thing. He says, 
I will restore you. I will, you will feel beat up and weak. I'll restore you. I'll, I'll lift you back up. I picture somebody's been knocked down. He's saying, I'm going to lift you up. And then he says, I'm going to support you. I'm going to keep you up. I'm going to strengthen you where you felt weak. And ultimately, you'll feel like your feet are solid. You have a firm foundation. So when you put all these words together and these phrases together, the end result is this. Our relationship with God becomes better if we're willing to hang in there when we're being opposed and suffering grief for our faith. It's better. We end up stronger in our faith, stronger in our walk with Him, and it's just a sweet thing. So this wraps up our series, Being Different. We know it's been a strong, different kind of series for us, but we feel like God's wanted to challenge all of us in being different for Jesus. All right? Y'all stand. We're going to pray. All right. Well, while you're standing, kind of stretch your legs out a little bit. And then sit back down. Go ahead. Sit back down. Sit back down. We're going to pray. We're still going to pray, but I want you to sit there for a second. Lord, we thank you for every single person in here today. And God, we pray that this week you show us. Show us which of those two cycles we're living. Show us where, where, where we could engage with you more. God, I pray that you show us where we're doing well. And that you encourage us in those things. And this week, we pray that you lead us and that you guide us. That you speak into our hearts and, and, and take us in the path and take us down the way you want us to go this week. I pray that you bless each and every person that has come to, to spend the morning with us. And I thank you so much for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.